Brandon Tatum Show is on KTAR News, 92.3 FM. What's going on, y'all? This is B. Tatum again. Welcome to the Brandon Tatum Show every Saturday at 6 p.m. Tune in. Listen to all this fun stuff. Listen to real, authentic talk. First of all, are you following me on social media? That's all I want to know. Are you following me? If you're not, you're making a huge mistake. The Officer Tatum on all of my social media. Today, we're going to have some fun at the bottom of uh, the show. We're going to have call-ins. I'll get to that in a second. But first, let's talk about President Donald Trump. Did you watch the debate? Ask yourself that question. Did you watch the debate? (laughs) I thought it was hilarious. He was out in Minnesota really being the authentic Trump that I'm used to seeing, that I've seen, you know, way back in 2016 when he blazed the trail and won the election and really won the hearts of a lot of people. But this clip specifically during the the uh, rally stood out to me because year after year, we see politicians consistently be politically correct. And I, I don't know about you, but I'm tired of it. I want a politician right or wrong to at least tell me what they really feel about issues. And I think Donald Trump has done a wonderful job at doing that. And at least that's related to the American people. And that's why he got so much support. But I want you to listen to what the president said about Joe Biden (laughs) and his relationship with Barack Obama. Check it out. And your father was never considered smart. He was never considered a good senator. He was only a good vice president because he understood how to kiss Barack Obama's. (laughs) I don't know why that's so funny to me, but to hear the president keep it 100. I mean, I personally, I know it may be inflammatory if you don't support the president. Maybe I have some people listening right now that don't support the president. But in my opinion, I like that he said that because I feel like that Joe Biden, even on the campaign trail, is a, everything that he says in a positive manner that is associated with Barack Obama. He uses his name. Oh, me and Obama did this. Me and Obama did this. But then the things that are negative, he, he want to distance himself from Barack Obama. So it seems that he cannot uh, be stable as an independent candidate and run on his own merits. He seemed to always have to run on Obama's success, which, in my personal opinion, it wasn't a lot of successes. I, I think there were some failures in there that people don't want to talk about. But we, we, we'll get to that at another time. But another thing, if you've been watching and you've been paying attention to politics, they had a town hall, the LGBTQ town hall. Now, can somebody explain to me why is there a necessity to have a town hall related to people's sexual orientation. I, I, I don't understand. All the people that I know who are gay, whatever, you're a person just like me. I, I don't look at you any different. But obviously, I believe the pandering that goes from the Democratic Party is that they don't look at you like you're like everybody else. They don't look at you like you're an American citizen alone. They want to divide you based on whatever sexual orientation you have. And I think it's ridiculous. And when I listen to the town hall, I heard some things that just blew my mind. I couldn't believe some of the things that the politicians advocated for. And we're going to listen to a little bit of that because I want you to hear it for yourself. I can I can talk about it and, and do commentary on it. I want you to listen for yourself. And mind you, this is sort of a collage of highlights 
of the debate or the town hall. This is not word for word in succession of how they spoke, but this is a highlight. I want you to listen to the highlight and hear some of the things that um, I heard and many others in America have heard during this town hall. Check it out. Especially black trans women. You, but let me tell you something. Black trans women are being killed in this country, and CNN, you have erased black trans women. You told me, you gave me a kiss. <laughs> you are a beautiful man. <laughs> and my pronouns right. are she, her, and hers. She, her, and hers. Mine too. I'm an extraordinary black trans woman. Gay couples are more likely to stay together longer than heterosexual couples. Shay, what's your question? Um, it's she a diamond. She a diamond. I am so tired. I'm just saying that. And it's not just my black trans women. It's my black trans brothers, too. Yes, honey. It's violence to to misgender or to alter a name of a... Okay, I've had enough. You heard enough. Oh, my God. I I just... I get it, okay? I understand. Man, listen. If you are trans and you want to be called he, hers, and hers, I don't have a problem with that. It's America. You can be you can you can identify the way you want to. You have the freedom of expression, the freedom of speech. That's why our country is so beautiful. But my only thing is that don't make it a a habit to try to project your own personal beliefs on other people. That's like me. I'm a Christian man. I go to church. And when I'm at church, I have my beliefs. It is not right for me to force those beliefs on other people. I have my opinions. I have my opinions about gay marriage or whatever the case may be, but I do not have the right to force that on another person. At the point in which I begin to detract from another person's constitutional rights, that's when there's a problem. But I feel as if they've created this exempt class of people where it's like you can have your own ideology, but you can force it on everybody else, even if it thwarts their constitutional rights to freedom of expression, freedom of speech. There are people who literally want you to go around and call them pronouns and different things that are not even in conjunction with the English language. You know, I heard of a a person that want to be identified as they. I mean, I I get it. You could call yourself they. All your friends can't. But, I mean, you're putting me in a bad position because I don't know when to call you they, them, he, she, her. I'm just going off of what I see and what I observe. Biologically, if you look like a man, I'm probably going to refer to you as he, if you have a name, you know, you look like a man and your name is Carol or something like that, I'm going to identify you as your name. I think that's respectful. But to try to make me jump through the hoops and you heard the young lady on there say that it's violence to even misgender somebody or, or, or even mispronounce their name. I mean, come on. Your name is probably not that easy to say. But these are the things that I think are, are, are causing a crescendo effect of negativity within politics in America. On one side, in my personal opinion, I'm not saying you have to adopt my opinion, but in my personal opinion, I see that President Donald Trump has a message for his base and for the people of America in the way that he presents it. And then you have the Democratic people who are running for for office who have their perception. But all that I have seen in the last, I don't know, since 2016, 2015, to be exact, is it seems as if President Trump, even if you don't like his tweets, He's promoting solutions and he's already have enacted solutions that Americans actually care about. I, I, I honestly don't believe that the biggest priority in America today is whether somebody call another person he, her and hers. I could be getting that wrong. I apologize because I'm not used to saying all that stuff. But I think that's not the biggest issue in America. People want to know how am I going to survive 
on a day-to-day basis if I don't have employment in the community that I'm in. If the crime is so bad that I can't even, you know, the, the, the products are costing more in my area. I can't even go out the house. My kids don't even feel safe at school. We're not getting proper education here. You know, those things I believe that people are concerned about more so than political correctness. And and like I said, we're, we're going to have callers call in at the end of the show. I'll say about 40, 42, 45. The number is 602-277-5827. I want you to call in and we're going to be talking about racism in the bottom of the hour. But now you have the number 602-277-5827. I want you to call in. And I'll keep updating you as we go. You're listening to the Brandon Tatum Show on KTAR. I'll see you after the break. The Brandon Tatum Show is on KTAR News 92.3 FM. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Can y'all hear me? Yeah, you. I think I'm on. So I'm back. Bad boys, bad boys alert. This time it's a bad girl. I mean, I'll consider her as a woman. I'm not going to call her a girl. I'm not going to disrespect Jerry like that. But my officer of the week is Juan Hernandez, the officer that is filing a lawsuit against the department and against Jerry Williams for doing something that I concur with him as being unconstitutional and make it an attempt to suppress his speech outside of the uniform, outside of his work, working for the city and working for the department on his social media page. She's she's essentially trying to tell him that he cannot have an opinion about something on social media if she don't approve of it. Now, if you look at the the the, the policy on the Phoenix Police Department social media, it's it's very ambiguous, right? It's almost anything that can be unbecoming or embarrassing to the police department, they can really essentially ding you on whatever you post on social media. But the thing is, is that is that um, pushing up against your rights, the constitutional right, the freedom of expression and speech. And I say, yes. And this officer is bold and brave enough to do it. And I'll tell you this, Jerry Williams, I have, I, I have lost respect for what she do. I don't know her as a person. She's probably a great person, mind you, but my respect level for Jerry is out the window. It's gone. There's no, there's zero. I mean, I'm in the negatives at this point. When will police chiefs stand up for their officers? When? I, I, I'm i waiting. Like, I don't understand how Jerry Williams can articulate that some of his posts were somehow, oh, outrageous and offensive. I'm, I'm going to read her quote that she had mentioned. Um, I think maybe, I don't, I don't know if this was, this was last week or a little bit early on KTR. I'll be honest with you. I was shocked. Like all caps shocked at the nature of the post, at the language of the post, of the photos of the post. It's what she said. Oh, you, oh, really? Oh, really, Jerry? You're that shocked? When he retweeted, or, or I say retweeted, he shared a post that articulated truths about Islam. Not about Muslim people, but about the religion of Islam. He has the right to feel and to articulate and share his ideas about a religion. That doesn't mean he's he has that feeling about individual people. I can get on air and say officers who do X, Y, Z that is against the law are trash. They're crap. 
I can say that. That doesn't mean that I feel like every single officer that wears a badge is crappy, right? The behavior of an officer can be bad. That don't mean everybody's the same. And Jerry, I hope that you're listening. I don't want to. I don't want to be too mean, but come on, you know, you were a police officer at some point before you got the brass, and you now, you know, high and mighty. You know what kind of conversations we used to have on traffic stops. You know the conversations we used to have at calls. You know the stress of the job and how people relieve their stress through jokes. A lot of them not even an honest opinion about how you feel, but they're jokes. Police officers joke a lot about stuff. Now, I, I dare you. I dare. I triple dog dare you. And I know that this is not your responsibility, Jerry, but the people who are out here looking for police officers online, I dare you to go look up with the firefighters online and see what they're posting in their social media, on their social media. Go look up paramedics and see what they're posting on their social media. And and, and I, I'm, I'm of the impression of saying this. If I was the police chief, I would articulate it very clearly that if a complaint is brought to my attention, it will be addressed. But what I will say is that officers have the constitutional right to say whatever they want to say on their own social media platform, as long as they're not speaking or attempting to speak on behalf of the police department. And I will wish that she would say, I, I understand there's a constitutional crisis here. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to tell an officer what they should and shouldn't say, but if something is brought to my attention, I'll address it. But she don't, she don't do that. She come out and say, this is egregious. Like, like, like think about this. You know, at some point there may be a firing that goes on. If, if Jerry, even if you were, going to fire this officer at some point, even if his thing, the things that he said on social media were egregious and it was a necessity for him not to work anymore. If you understand that, you understand that there's going to be a lawsuit that's presented either by citizens, either by the city, and you're going to go out and without actually verifying if he said this or this somebody wasn't pranking him or, or writing on his social media, you're going to say this is egregious? You're already setting up the lawsuit for anybody who want to sue this officer and sue the police department. I don't understand how you haven't done that. Last time, she did the same thing with those two criminals that everybody saw on social media that literally stole from a dollar store. They took, see, nobody talks about this. They took the police on a high-speed chase, and they were throwing stuff out the car. They actually stopped to let one lady out the car. Then they took police on another high-speed chase to an unknown apartment complex. They weren't complying with commands. And then the officer put a gun on him. Now, I think the officer was upset. I think he should be talked to. There should be a, a, a level of discipline there. But she comes straight out and say, this was egregious. The officers were wrong. You just gave these criminals a million-dollar lawsuit because what the, what the attorney is going to do is go and say, well, what did the police chief say on that TV? She even believes it's wrong. With no investigation, she believes it's wrong. The city council believe it's wrong. Okay, we got a case. We're going to get paid millions of dollars when they should be in jail, if you ask me. You go and, you go and steal from a store, and then you take police on a high-speed chase. You should go to jail. Well, back to, to Juan Hernandez. I, I think that more officers should stand up for themselves like this because if you let them bully you, they're going to just bully the next officer and the next officer and the next officer. If everybody stand up, they can't bully everybody. And I know a few Phoenix police officers, great officers. The department is a great department. But I think that the person running the department is not doing a great job. 
the first priority of a chief, a police chief. You're not a you're not a city council member. You're a police chief. You're responsible for leading the police department. Your first priority is your officers. They are the ones that work directly under you. You need to to have it in your mind that you're going to support them so they can support you. And I'll say this to any police chief in the Valley, any police chief around the country. Stop kowtowing the political correctness. You don't have to get on TV every time and say what you think they want to hear you say. You need to stand up for your officers. Because if they do something wrong, hold them accountable. But if they haven't done anything wrong, don't kowtow to the media. Don't say, oh, this looks bad to me. And you know for a fact you were a police officer and you know you would never make that statement if you weren't the chief. You know for a fact you would have stood up for that officer. And I'll give my personal example real quick. When I was a police officer in Tucson, I had the same thing. I was posting, I had 70 million views on a video that I posted as a police officer. And a, and a reporter, a local reporter tried to attack me and say, Brandon should be fired. You know what the PIO said from the Tucson Police Department? You know what he said, Pete Dugan? I love Pete. Pete, if you're listening, you know I love you. Pete said, he came straight out and said, well, Brandon has the constitutional right to say what he want to say. As long as he's not wearing a uniform or, or representing the police department in his statements, why y'all bothering us? Pretty much. I'm paraphrasing what he said. That's the way it should go. And I made plenty of videos talking on big topics because my speech was important to interject in dialogue in this country. I should be able to talk about how I feel about the president. I should be able to talk about how I feel about social issues. And I'll tell you this. I'll finish it with this. I'm, I'm more concerned with how the officer behaves versus what they say. If an officer posts something on social media and you don't, you don't like it, that's fine. But is the officer doing anything wrong as a, as a police officer in his daily work? He may not like criminals. He may hate crackheads. But do he treat them with respect when he put the badge on is what I care about. Next segment, we're going to talk about this lady that literally perpetuates victimhood harder than anybody on planet Earth, blaming President Trump and racism for her obese lifestyle. You listen to the Brandon Tatum Show on KTAR. Catch me after the break. This is the Brandon Tatum Show. The Brandon Tatum Show on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Welcome back to the Brandon Tatum Show, ladies and gentlemen. Don't forget that in my last segment, or the final segment of this show, we're going to have call-ins. The number is 602-277-5827. 602-277-5827. If your memory is bad as mine, go on to my social media at the officer Tatum on Instagram, and I have it posted there. So, racism in America. Ladies and gentlemen, my favorite topic, huh? <laughs> this is what I talk about all the time with my friends, family. Y'all, we talk about this all day long because it's such a hot topic, and I think it's been overblown. And there's some people in America. Yes, I said it. America, the greatest country on earth, the first country to abolish slavery, the first country to get over these the racial tensions that we still see today in other countries. I talked to one of my friends that he stay in a European country and he he talked about how much racism go on there. Him being black. He said he don't experience that kind of racism in America. But but like I said, there's people who are they just live to be victims. And this young lady, I laughed. I don't know. The 
the first 15 times I watched this video, she is adamant. Her name is Brittany Cooper. She's a she's if you if you ever look at the word SJW, you don't know what I'm talking about, social justice warrior. If you look that up in the dictionary, you'll see her picture in there. Not really, but you know what I'm saying. Brittany Cooper is on um, Black Women Have a Voice or Lead the Conversation, Own the Conversation, something like that. Oprah Winfrey put out. I'm cool with with there being a topic about black women that want to just talk about black issues. I'm cool with that. Just have that same energy when white people want to do it. But listen to what this girl said, her excuse for being obese. I put a T on it in the last segment. I put a T on it. and There's no T on obese. It's just obese. So here's her explanation of why she's obese and how that relates to Donald Trump and racism. Listen. About black women being obese. I hate it because it becomes a way to blame us for a set of conditions that we didn't create. You didn't create them conditions? So you telling me them 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 Big Macs and that fried chicken? All that you you ain't had nothing to do with that. Okay, I'll let you finish. We are living in the Trump era. And look, those policies kill our people. You can't get access to good health care, good insurance. The research says that black women will- Hold on, Brittany. Why are you lying though? Trump, Trump, you can't get access to good health care because of Donald Trump? So you, so what you're telling me is that all of a sudden in 2016, you gained, I don't know, 200 pounds? I, 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 you know, I'm not buying it. I, I'll let you finish, though. Hold on. She almost missed my clip. Oh, it's going to start over. Hold on a second. About Let's black women Trump era, access to good health care, good insurance. The research says that black women, when we do the same diets as white women, we lose less weight and we lose it slower. And what public health practitioners think is that our stress responses in the body change our metabolism. It's literally that the racism that you're experiencing and the struggle to make ends meet actually means the diet don't work for you the same. (laughs) Some people dig deep to find an excuse. Now, I'm not making fun of anybody who's overweight. But, you know, there's an opportunity for you to actually improve if you understand the core issues of what you're dealing with. Okay. Some people have a, have a, a medical issue, right? Th- those people are not who I'm talking about because some things you cannot control, but for the everyday American, if you, if listen, if you're not eating healthy foods and you're not exercising, you're going to gain weight. If you're taking in more calories than you're burning, you're going to gain weight. And, those things have minimal to do with perceived racism, unless you are like this young lady who I'm assuming, which I looked at a few of her other videos, that you are so consumed with the with this racist boogeyman that literally don't really exist, but you're creating them in your mind that you are having unduly stress. And I, I would argue that she's bringing stress on these other women because she's validating. She's validating a falsehood. That gives people excuses. Listen, I was raised on principle, the principles of working hard and having integrity and doing the right things and being kind to other people and believing in God. Like those principles are more responsible for your success in life, whether it's weight loss or whatever, 
than for you to point the finger at another man or another woman and wait for them to change. If racism was so bad in America, I mean, we have no chance at fixing it because it's been bad for 100, 200 years. It ain't, if it haven't changed in 2019, it ain't going to change. Maybe you got to change. Now, I'm, I, I live under the principle of there's some racist people in America, no doubt. I mean, there's probably somebody that's listening right now that hate me because I'm black. They don't want to hear me on the air. It's probably somebody. Or maybe not now, maybe in the future. But they out there. But, but how you receive their behaviors or words determines more than what they're p- presenting. Right. If somebody was to call me the N word, I got two choices. Well, I got probably three. One is probably going to could possibly lead me to go to jail. But if I decide to slap this person in the head, which is which wouldn't be my first response reasonably because they just said a word. That's one option you can use. And then another option will be for you just walk away. And then the next option will be for you to think about slavery your whole life and ball up in the corner and never do anything with your life. You have choices. Words cannot hurt you unless you allow them to. They were just words. Now, somebody physically do something against you. There are laws in place, ladies and gentlemen, laws. You can't just, you know, there's such thing called a hate crime. There's such things called discrimination. And if a person discriminates against you on a job in the workforce, you can sue them. In 2019, they whole business gone. You can't openly be racist against nobody in 2019 and think you're going to work anywhere, have a job, be successful, have any opportunities. It's just not going to happen. A lot of racism is undercover racism. And the people that typically people point at and say that's the racist person, it's a lot of a lot of times it's projection. If an officer pulled me over, he happened to be white and I think he a dirty cop. What people tend to do is to say, "Okay, he's white. I'm black. It must be because I'm black. It's racism. Or whatever combination of races that a person want to want to put out there. But that's more of a problem to me because there's other things that could be could be taken in consideration other than race. You know, I've been talking about this the whole week and there's so many examples of people playing race because it's convenient, because it's very difficult to some people to actually sit down and look at the issues and say, how can I walk through this issue and figure out a solution outside of complaining about racism? And that's what we should be leading towards. Look at a person, evaluate each person as a human being first, American second. And their color is irrelevant, to be quite honest. The only reason we're different colors is because we have melanin in our skin, which we cannot control. And we and, and it doesn't really matter. You know, maybe some people have to put a little more sunscreen on, but they don't change what's on the inside, who you are as a person. But I want to continue this conversation about race because I know people are watching and you want to have a you want to have some some something to say about it. I welcome you to call in after the break. We'll be taking calls. I'll give you the number again. It's 602-277-5827. I want you to call in and let me know what you think about race, racism and the president as it relates to racism in the United States of America. You're listening to the Brandon Tatum show. I look forward to listening to y'all call in after the break. I'll see you then. Brandon Tatum, KTAR News, 92.3 FM. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to my favorite segment of the show. We always talk about juicy stuff in this segment, but tonight we're going to have people call in 
Again, the number is 602-277-5827, and we're going to talk about racism in America. I want to hear what y'all think. Y'all, y'all already heard my opinion about it. I want to hear what y'all think. So I'm going to go to our first caller, George out of Phoenix. Let me bring George on right now. George, you're on the Brandon Tatum Show. Hi, hey, Brandon. How are you? This is George. I'm doing well, brother. What's going on? Well, you're asking questions about racism. We do all know it exists, but you can't allow it to control you. It'll allow it to control your destiny. And you want to overcome these things. So I want to make sure you're aware that it does exist. Yeah, I think there's no question does it exist. I think even on my show, just in the last segment, I talk, I spoke about how it exists. There are people who are racist who are probably watching the show. I mean, listening to the show. I do acknowledge that it exists. What do you so have? Various types. So what we have to get into is the specific types of racism that you exist. I myself am a physician. There's all kinds of racial bias that exists in medicine. We know that black people do not get cardiovascular care at the same rate as the Caucasian people. So, okay, so I, I, let me let me let me let me add this real quick. Let me add this real quick. So, I understand what you're saying, but just because there's disparity doesn't mean that that's racism. No, that creates a systemic issue, and a systemic issue creates a virus that affects everything and all the aspects of the care. So, when you have an infection, you have to eradicate it from all aspects. So, this systemic racism and racism that is institutionalized has been there for decades and has been entwined into the system that exists. So, George, is it is it is it a financial burden or is it race? So, are, are people no. intentionally creating? adversity in medicine against people just because they're color or it adversely affect people based on the economic situation if you were need to if you were to need a major medical medicine as a black man you would not be able to go to a research site to give you proper information for you to make an informed. why not why, why can't why can't i go why can't I, wait, 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 wait. White man, why, why can't i go so you can, if you were to go on a biological medicine, there is no studies for black people. There's studies for white men. So we don't know what's going to happen to you, but we can give you the treatment. And so how come they have to give evidence that give the studies so we can know what is best for us as black people? So you have to understand what's good for the goose may not be good for the gander, but that's how medicine is. And medicine is a form to make sure that the white man has success and his medical issues. Okay, George, thank you. Thank you so much. I- I'll speak to that. I got to get to the next caller. Great thank call. You. Thank you so much for the information. So what, what I disagree on when it comes to what George said is that that seems like there is at a disparity, right? It is not necessarily predicated on race because if I had money, I can do anything I want to. I don't care what kind of race I am or whatever the case may be. Research studies because there's more white people in America than there are blacks. So there could be a level of disparity, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's targeted towards a specific race. I have another caller calling in, Gary from Little Rock, Arkansas. Gary, what, what you got? Welcome to the Brandon Tatum Show. How you doing, Mr. Brandon? I'm doing well, brother. What you got? I was just I just want to hear your take on uh, this white privilege that uh, the Democrats appear to uh, be bringing to light. Uh, these past four years. Yeah, I, I think, you know, you know how I feel. Race, to me, white privilege 
Does it exist, right? I mean, does it exist? Yeah, on a very small level, there are some white people that have privilege, but so do black people, and so do people with money, and so does people who are, are very attractive. I think what they're doing is utilizing or overemphasizing a specific um, ailment that they can produce to a minority community to keep them under, you know, keep them put down. Because at the end of the day, I know white people who are poor, who don't have good education. And you can't tell me that every white person is born with a level of privilege over, let's say, Barack Obama's children or my children. And so I think it's something that they use to hold people down. I, I couldn't agree more, actually. Um, that's that's what I've been seeing. And, uh, like, my family members, like, um, I'm a young kid. I'm 17. But, uh, like, I have family members that are dirt poor and uh I, it just couldn't be uh, much true what you just said. And I just think it's really disappointing that uh, especially white males are being targeted in uh, society today as, you know, rapists and stuff like that. And it's really just sad to see that happening. Yeah, thanks, Garrett. Thanks for the call. I got to go to the next caller. I love your your, your testimony and your statement. Um, I'm going to get the next call, all right? Thanks, Garrett, for calling in. I, I think he's telling it 100% like it is. I think white men are under attack in America that you can openly call them terrorists. You can say all kind of stuff to them or about them, and nobody says anything. You call a black man a terrorist or you say black men are, are perpetuating the most crime in America, people will call you racist even though statistically that's true. So let me get to our next caller way out of H-Town. Welcome to the Brandon Hello? Tatum Show, Isaac. Hey, how's it going, man? What's going on? Hey, man, it's good talking to you. I really love what you do, man. I appreciate it. What you got, um, man? What you think about this racism so, in America? Yeah, for sure. I just want to. Uh, so actually, uh, today I was at work and I had a conversation with a friend of mine related to um, all the stuff that's happening. Um, so I kind of want to just ask you, like, uh, you know, if you were having this conversation, which I know you do many times, uh, what are some things that you would bring up to go against, um, you know, when people call out Trump as a racist? What are some things that you would bring up that would uh, go against that that claim well the first thing i'll start with is to say okay identify racist people in in america in american history and and show me what they did what are the fruits of their actions and then compare that to what trump has done i mean people don't like maybe a tweet but look at what he's done for the african-american community you're talking about the first step act which is huge you're talking about urban revitalization which is huge you talk about um him giving more money to hbcus than just about any president in history which is huge and the fact that President Trump did not need the black vote to win. Mind you, 8% of the of black population voted for Trump. He don't need to pander to black people to win. So if, a, if he was racist, I think he, his approach would be, I don't need to talk to black people at all, do anything for them. All I got to do is keep, keep dipping away at the number of our, my white supporters, which he doesn't do. A black man like myself been to the White House five times already. And, and, and I'm not alone. There's 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 thousands of black people that have been to the White House. So I think if you show them and you say point out another racist, give me the fruits of their labor and then show me how that is juxtaposed to what the president has done. And I think they're going to fail miserably in showing proof that he's any way in any form or fashion a racist. And then I'll say this just to finish it. When did he become a racist? Because nobody said anything about this until he became president of the United States and they were rubbing elbows with him his whole life. And then now all of a sudden he's a racist. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hope that that's good. Isaac, I got to get the next caller. Thank you for calling in way out of H town. Our next caller 
I'll figure it out here in a second. I want to get a little more information on the caller, but I think that Trump is a fair person. Just go look at his life work. I mean, some things I forgot to mention on the phone with Isaac is that President Trump was nominated and got an award from the Push Rainbow Coalition with Jesse Jackson and them for his efforts in the black community. Like, this was in 98, I believe. Like, you don't get that as a racist. And I'm going to tell you who is a real racist that people don't want to talk about. It just, just say this, for example. If I were to go to a Klan's member's funeral, would you consider that me supporting a Klan's member? Well, Robert Byrd was a Klan's member, and Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton went to his funeral. Let's let's talk about let's talk about Margaret Sanger, a racist eugenicist, a woman that openly said that abortions to she wanted to advocate abortions to exterminate black folks. Who's who's buddy buddy with her? A mentor to me, Hillary Clinton said that. That wasn't Trump. Let me get to the next caller. The next caller from Phoenix, Chaos. Let's see what this call is about. <laughs> welcome to the welcome to the Brandon Tatum Show. Let's go. Thank you very much. What you got? Well, my opinion on racism is that it's not very polite to even say anything racist to anybody else. I agree. And also... It's pretty sad to think that somebody else could be called racist even if they didn't say anything racist. Yeah, I agree. I agree a thousand percent. I mean, people get called racist all the time just because of the color of their skin. And I think by virtue of doing that, that's racist. For instance, if you're white and you support the president, people on the campaign trail for the Democratic Party and people on the news have said that if you support a racist, you are racist. They're literally calling every single white person that support the president or even associated with the president as a racist. What do you? I have to ask you: Are you a Trump supporter, or are you not a Trump supporter? No, definitely not. Definitely not. Do you believe he's a racist? Yes. Can you give me one example of why he's a racist? Hmm. Well, he did put a border wall up. How's a border wall racist? Is Mexican? Is Mexico a race? No, it's a country. It's not a race, right? People come. People people come from all over the world through Mexico, so. If he put and, and think about this, was President Trump the first person to, to put up a border wall? I can answer that for you. No, we already had a border wall under Bill Clinton. Under the Clintons, they approved more border wall than what President Trump has currently. Correct. And do you think Barack Obama's a racist? No. Okay, he deported three million illegal aliens under his administration. He deported more under his administration than any president in history. Did you, were you aware of that? Hmm. Okay, so we got to run. Thank you so much for calling in. What's your name? Um, My name is Chaos. Your name is Chaos. Okay, okay. Good. Thank you so much, Chaos. I love the questions. I think you should go do some more research and just check it out. I, I, I would argue that he's not, but, hey, we live in America. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion. Thank you so much for calling in, Chaos. I really appreciate it. You're listening to the Brandon Tatum Show. We got to get out of here. Catch me next week at 6 p.m. every Saturday. I'm out. Peace.